You know, we are a society that is just fascinated with the reality TV of courtroom drama. We just get enthralled with that. When I was younger, if on weekday afternoons, um, if you were like me, you got tuned in to Judge Wapner and the People's Court. Any People's Court fans? Yeah, here we go. Had a couple claps. Last, there's more last service, I guess. But then came Judge Judy for you younger folk. You know, we're just a society that loves courtroom drama. In fact, the most watched television trials in our time frame were, were these ones. 1979 was Ted Bundy. 1991, William Kennedy Smith. In 1992 was Jeffrey Dahmer's trial. Also in 1992 was the trial of the officers who assaulted Rodney King. In 1993 was the Menendez brothers, and in 2011 was Casey Anthony. Those names just ring out to us, but who could forget the trial of the century in 1995, O.J. Simpson. I mean, many of us remember where we were the night as we tuned in to our television stations to watch the white Ford Bronco race down the Los Angeles highways being chased by the Los Angeles Police Department. O.J. was accused of killing his ex-wife, Nicole, and her husband, or I'm sorry, her friend, Ronald Goldman. He was a former NFL star and an actor, and O.J.'s defense team loved the uh, theatrics with lines like, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. And many of us just say that all the time now, don't we? And it's estimated that 100 million viewers watched the courtroom as the jury gave the not guilty verdict to O.J. Simpson. We're just enamored with courtroom reality programming, aren't we? And you know what? This isn't just the reality of our society or our day and age. This was the case thousands of years ago when the trial of all generations came to fruition, the trial of Jesus. Everyone in this time period was enamored with this. They were enthralled with it. In fact, if social media was a thing in Jesus' days, he would have gone viral in seconds. That's how fascinated the society was with this trial of all trials. A trial that affected generations to come in all walks of life. And during this time, there was a lot of political turmoil. For thousands of years, the Jewish people were primarily subject to foreign rule. They were first under the Egyptian authority, then Syrian and Babylonian and the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, who they were now under rule then. With only a brief time in their history did they have independence. And in the first century, Romans ruled the Mediterranean area that's known as Palestine or modern-day Israel, where Jesus was born, where Jesus lived, where Jesus did his ministry. And in the hierarchy power of the day, the Jewish self-government reported to the authority of the local Roman government, who was King Herod and Pilate, and who also reported to the, the national government of Rome, which was Caesar. And the Jewish people accepted their freedom, both in their governing system and in maintaining their own traditions. 
But it was the Roman government that required everything to be ultimately subject to their authority. For example, Jewish citizens were under the authority of the Jewish court system, the Sanhedrins, for, for example, yet all the rulings of death and, and the death penalty and other things were sent to the Roman government. And the Jewish religious governing system was divided in, in, among themselves as well. You had the Pharisees. They were the people's party. They taught the law and the traditions of Israel's patriarchs, and they were strictly conforming to the Jewish law. And then there was the Sadducees. They were the wealthy, conservative leaders who rejected the traditions in favor of the political and religious cooperation with the Roman Empire. So in this time there were many political and religious factors in play during the trial of all trials, the trial of Jesus. And this is extremely important to know and understand the fabric of what's going on, the political turmoil of the day, and how it affected this trial. Because it was big. It was huge. It had everything to do with what was going on in this moment. And as you read the Gospels, you see Jesus go into this trial scene. First, it was with the Jews, who then sent Jesus to Pilate. Then Pilate sent Jesus to Herod. And Herod sent Jesus back to Pilate, where Pilate eventually ordered the crucifixion. And within hours, Jesus was sent all over town, back and forth. First, it started with the Jewish leaders. We see the gospel scene as they fired accusations and they fired lies at Jesus. It is even recorded that they were not making much sense. It was a mob scene and it was getting out of control more and more. You had the leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees who could not agree with each other on what was going on. And people who were making false accusations that were making no sense whatsoever. In fact, it would be laughable, but they were losing control. The one thing they all had to have in common was they hated Jesus. They felt threatened by this man and they wanted him dead. And so as they went through the night, accusations were tossed. Insults were thrown. And because of the different religious sects and the mob mentality, no one was understanding each other. No one was making sense. And through all the accusations and through all the questioning, we see in Mark 14, 61, but Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. While he was receiving threats and, and lies and accusations, Jesus walked this line of unexpected silence. And you know, it is amazing the power that silence has. Have you, do you realize the power that silence has? One of the most evil rulers, one of the most evil leaders in modern day history was Adolf Hitler. And it is known that when he would get in front of thousands of people to give some of his famous speeches, he would stand at his podium for minutes in complete silence. As he drew them in. Silence is power. 
In fact, the inventor and artist Leonardo da Vinci once said, nothing strengthens authority so much as silence. Strong leaders know how to use silence as a tactic for speaking up for themselves and as an opportunity to lead. Silence is powerful. It has been said that silence helps build trust. It emphasizes a point. It helps in negotiating. It empowers those around you. It gets answers when you're trying to get answers from people. It helps you focus on yourself. And Jesus, he was masterful in the moment with his ability to simply be silent. And using silence for a significant purpose that we're going to circle around to in just a moment. But even in his silence, Jesus chose his words wisely. He didn't use a lot. He was focused with what he said when he broke his silence. For example, in Luke chapter 22, verses 67 through 70, it says, If you are the Messiah, they said, that's the Jewish leaders, tell us. And Jesus answered, If I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. And they all asked, Are you then the Son of God? And he replied, You say that I am. In this moment, Jesus chose his words wisely to confirm to the Jewish leaders that he is the Son of the living God. He is the Messiah. And in that moment, all the Jewish leaders freaked out. They lost control. They believed they had their smoking gun. They believed they had the nail in the coffin and they sent Jesus to Pilate so that he would be crucified. They thought they had their answer. And so Jesus went to Pilate. And you need to know who Pilate is and what his, who he was and how his role uh, manifested in this situation because Pilate was the Roman governor of Judea. All the accusations when Jesus was arrested was in the area of Judea, the area that Pilate ruled. And so that's why they sent him to, to, uh, to Pilate where the trouble was brewing. And Pilate's role was to uphold the Roman rule, to uphold the Roman law in the area. And he knew in this moment he was in a difficult predicament to honor the Roman law but also to maintain control of this uprising within the Jewish community that was about to take place. And giving in to the political pressure, he even had Jesus flogged. But that didn't seem to satisfy. And through the Gospels, we see Pilate questioning Jesus, trying to seek the truth. And through all this, Pilate's conscience was definitely being bothered as his wife informed him of a dream she had and to stay away from Jesus as it's recorded in Matthew 27. And while attempting to seek answers, the Bible says in Luke 23, verse 3, so Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? 
Pilate was seeking the truth. He was trying to figure out what is the answer. He was trying to get out of the situation and he was getting nowhere. And the crowd was just getting more restless when he learned that Jesus was actually from Galilee. He was born and did his ministry in that area who was under the rule of Herod. So he sent Jesus to Herod, the one responsible for that region and who was also responsible for the killing of John the Baptist. Jesus was sent to Herod and Herod got nowhere. Then he was sent back to Pilate when Herod was not able to accomplish anything with Jesus. And when he was with Pilate again, Jesus reemphasized that he was actually in charge. As Pilate began to question him again and again, and the Bible says in Mark 15, verse 5, that Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. In this verse, we see the frustration building within Pilate. We see a man that was being extremely overwhelmed with dissatisfaction because he could not get the answer. I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you were responsible for something, but the solution was out of your control? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Leaders are often in situations like that where you are responsible for something to happen, but if you're honest with yourself, the solution is beyond what you have the ability to control. And life is just like that. So often we want to go down a certain path, but the solutions are out of our control. And this was the situation that Pilate was in. As, I read, as we read the gospel story, we see a man that was just wanting to get out of the situation. To be honest, I don't think Pilate cared about the truth. I don't think he cared about the mob outside. All he wanted to do was to get out of this situation that was just getting worse and worse and worse. And so since he was getting nowhere with Jesus, since Jesus was continually not answering him, he went back out of the palace to the crowd. He tried to find a solution with them. He was trying to find a way just to calm them down and get them to go home. And he said, listen, I had Jesus flogged. I had him beaten. I see no guilt with this man, nothing deserving of death, but I had him beaten for you. But the mob just got more and more restless as they yelled, crucify him. Crucify him. And then we go back and we see Pilate extremely afraid. In fact, in John 19, verses 9 through, through 11, it says, When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. The question, as Pilate phrases it, cannot be rightly answered with a word or a phrase. Not if he is to understand it. Pilate and the Jewish leaders, they didn't have an answer. They didn't have a desire or interest in truth. They didn't have a desire or interest in the real understanding. They just wanted a solution for what they were desiring and what they wanted it's just like in courtroom today. In our democracy society, we are innocent until we are proven guilty, yet now we live in a society that has turned it 
to you are guilty until you are proven innocent. And many of us have been there. The court of public opinion is a very difficult thing. Maybe you've never been actually in a court system, but you've dealt with it. You've had people terrorize your character on Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or in some other form of social media. You've had people stab you in the back at work trying to get ahead. You've had those situations where people just threw insults and and lies about you and destroyed your character. And what do we do in those situations? You know, it's so encouraging to see the king of all kings, who is Jesus, he was in that same situation. He's been there. He's had his character assassinated. He is a man who is 100% innocent, yet his character tried to be destroyed by the community that was around him. He's been there. And I find encouragement in that because you know what? He can empathize with us. He knows what we have been through. He knows what we are dealing with. He knows what it is like when other people are beating you down. And he also has given the reality and the path of how you overcome that. How you take the step of freedom, even in the chaos. He showed that here in the trials. You know, Pilate dismissed the claims of truth. He didn't want to hear it earlier, so why would he want it now? Earlier in the interrogation in John 18, we see this conversation with Pilate and Jesus. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate's main interest was in his political posturing. He didn't care about the truth. He just wanted to get out of the situation. He just wanted to advance his own political position. And Jesus remaining silent was worse than modern day crime of contempt in court. Pilate had all the final authority. We see that in John 19. He had the authority to free him or kill him. And any time someone was questioned by Pilate, legally they had to give an answer and Jesus was not. Jesus spoke very little. And when he did, he chose his words wisely. And the majority of the accusations and questions and lies were met with silence and simple answers. All three of these encounters, Jesus spoke and revealed his authority. Jot that down in your notes. When Jesus spoke, it was to reveal his authority. Each time he spoke with Pilate, with the Jewish leaders, it was to reveal that he is the son of the living God. He is the king of all kings in this world. And each time he spoke, he did it in such a way that said, you already know the answer. You already know the solution. And you know, so often I think we struggle with that in our life, don't we? We go to Jesus when we have difficulty in our life, seeking him to answer us. And oftentimes, if we're honest with ourselves, deep down in our hearts, we know the answer. 
But what we're attempting to do, like Pilate, is seek Jesus for a different solution. But do we trust in his authority? Do we trust in his control? Do we trust him even in the midst of all the chaos that surround us? When Jesus spoke, he chose his words wisely, and it was revealed that he had the control. But what about Herod? We quickly jumped over his encounter with Herod. And there's something very important in that time. From what we know of Herod, he was an interesting fellow. He was an instigator. He focused on his own personal desires, his own advances. In Herod's life, it was all about him. He didn't care about the truth. He didn't care about the mob scene. He didn't care what was going all around in his society. He just cared about getting himself ahead. He cared about his own selfish desires. And in Luke 23, verses 8 through 9, we see Jesus' encounter with Herod. It says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied with him many questions, but Jesus gave no answer. Do you see that? Herod wanted a show. America's Got Talent welcomes Jesus. That's what Herod wanted. He wanted the miracles. He wanted the performance. And notice something. As you read between the lines, don't miss a very important part of Herod's story. He had every opportunity as Jesus was performing his ministry, performing those miracles, teaching in the courtyards. Herod had every opportunity to go out there and see Jesus live in action. He had that chance. But you know what I believe about Herod? He didn't want Jesus to summon him. He didn't want Jesus to call him. He wanted to summon Jesus. He wanted to reveal, I am the ruler of this area. I am the one who is in charge. You come to me. And when you come to me, when he did, now it was about my command. You jump and you, I, you jump when I say to jump. You do what I say to do. You know what the scene was all about? What this encounter was all focused on? It was all about authority. It was an arm wrestling match of authority. And you know how Jesus dealt with it? He stayed quiet. He didn't say a word at all to Herod. He stayed quiet. And through his silence through his unwillingness to speak to Herod, through his unwillingness to perform miracles at Herod's command, he was revealing something. Jot this down in your notes. When Jesus remained silent, it was to reveal his authority. In all these encounters, with the Jewish leaders, with Pilate, and with Herod, Jesus was showing the world, that he is the one who's in control. He is the authority. He is the king. Jesus showed his authority to the Jewish leaders that he is the son of God. To Pilate, he reminded him that, he, that God's in control, not this ruler of the world. 
to Herod, he stayed quiet, revealed that you cannot control me. You can't tell me what to do. I am the king. And it's so amazing that thousands and thousands of years before Jesus ever even walked the earth, this moment was predicted in Isaiah 53, verse 7, when it's written, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, in this moment, predicted thousands of years earlier, revealed the importance of his authority. He's got this. Even when it seemed like the world was in chaos, Jesus was in control. He's got this. And my question for you, who or what is the authority in your life? Who has the authority in your life? We live in a time when this question is extremely difficult to, to answer. We are led to believe that we can't trust authority. We're led to believe that we should always question authority. And yes, there have been disappointing leaders that have created that vibe in our world, but now we have gone to an extreme. And this extreme has hurt our ability to truly recognize and trust the authority of Jesus. Because what it tends to do, like Pilate, we go to Jesus and try to ask him for a different solution rather than trusting his authority and following his way. Knowing that in the midst of all the chaos, he's still in control. He's still got this. You know, when all the people were calling him out and calling lies about him and accusing him, when it seemed like everything was out of control, Jesus said, I've got this. That's why I'm going to the cross. You're not choosing it. I am. And today, as we turn on the news and we see more and more school shootings, and we see more and more craziness all around the world, and we just get so scared and overwhelmed and antsy because it seems like the world is in chaos and out of control. Do you trust and know that the king of all kings is actually in control? And just like on that day, in that chaos, he brought everything to good, he is doing the same today. Do you trust that? Do you believe that? And when it comes to our ability to be silent, we need to learn some lessons from Jesus. There is wisdom and there is strength in just keeping your mouth shut. Sometimes we just get diarrhea of the mouth and we lose control. There's wisdom in just shutting your mouth that we need to learn. You know, when I was a young boy, my sister, who's six years older than me, um, was on the phone. And let me just preface this story. I was the most amazing brother. You know, this is one of the very few times. This might be the only time that I messed up as a brother. I'm just going to say that. But back in that day, young people, we had phones that have these cords that would actually connect to the wall. It was amazing. And you had to stand in one spot to talk on the phone. And so we had two phones in our house, one in my parents' office and one near our kitchen. My sister was in the office area on the phone. I didn't know that, and I ran to the kitchen. I wanted to call one of my friends 
for something. I picked up the phone and I heard my sister on the phone. And despite my normal ability to be a really good brother, I, I messed up in this moment. And I just yelled on the phone, get off the phone! And I hung up. Well, a few minutes later, my dad came out to talk to me and told me that my sister was actually on the phone with her professor. And she was working on an assignment. I got in big trouble that day. You know, but in all seriousness, sometimes we don't have control of our own self. And in chaos, we need to find the ability to have control, which silence shows that ability. Here's the bottom line. Jot this down. Through all the chaos, Jesus was ultimately revealing that he had the authority and he was in control. Even with all the chaos that was going on right now in the trial of all generations, even in the mob scene, he had the control. And in the chaos that is our lives, we need to know that Jesus has the ultimate authority. He still has the control. He still got this. No matter what chaos is going on in your world, no matter what chaos is going on in the nightly news, Jesus is in control. Do you trust this? Do you trust it? And in our interactions, we can learn a lesson from Jesus' ability to remain silent in the chaos. Because there's power in your ability to stay silent. Here's two things that silence reveals. Number one, it reveals control. It reveals that even though there's chaos around you, you have the ability to control you. But yet so often we have a tendency that when chaos happens, we allow anger to rule. We yell, we scream, we hit things, we throw things, we lose control. We say things we know we shouldn't say. We type things in the social media world that we know we shouldn't type, and we just lose control. And it hurts your character. And it hurts those around you. But silence reveals the ability, you know what? I'm going to control me. Even though it's chaotic around me, I can control me in this situation. Because I'm not worried about, I don't have to worry about what happens around me. I got to worry about me and let my character and ability to have control reveal mercy and grace and peace and love and hope to other people's lives. Second thing that silence reveals is humility. Humility. In its most basic understanding, humility is realizing, you know what? I'm not the only person in this room. I'm not the most important thing that walks down the hallways of my school or where I work or whatever it might be. I know that those people who I pass every day in my life are valuable. And I'm willing to lower myself to lessen my desires so that I can build up those around me. And humility says that even in the chaotic scene that is surrounds me, even when that person is arguing with me and wants to debate me, I care more about them than the argument. 
And what Jesus is revealing when in his trials, in his willingness to remain silent, is this. You can accuse me, you can lie about me, you can torture me, you can put me to death, but even through all that, I love you more. And I'm going to die for you. Humility is saying, you know what? You can hurt me. You can say evil things about me. You can try to destroy your character, but you can't control me. And you know what? I love you more than this argument. And I'm not going to try to win this battle because I care about you more. Silence is powerful. Silence will enhance your character and it has the ability to change the world. Let your character speak and watch the hope be revealed all around you. The trial of all generations changed the world. And he rarely said anything. Just think of the power that you can have, the hope that you can deliver by building your character, by trusting in his authority, trusting in the control of Jesus as the king of kings. And just not worry about winning the arguments. Just let your character speak. Let who you are do the talking. And watch how you change the world and watch the hope and the peace that floods into your life. Because God's God's got this. He's got it. Let's pray. Father, I know so often in times when chaos overwhelms us, it doesn't seem like we have control. And it seems like we're losing control and we, we, we lose control in our life. But Lord God, help us to trust in you, knowing that ultimately you have the authority. You are the king. And even when it seems like it's out of control, you're working something good. And we just want to trust you in that. And Father God, we pray right now that we can practice what you've revealed. That in the moments of chaos, we can practice humility. Use our words wisely when to use them so that we may build up our character. And through that, we will reveal humility and love and hope. Lord, we just trust you. And we just turn to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.